glory we bless your holy name holy spirit will welcome you into this atmosphere come and be the lord and the master of this congregation speak to our hearts oh god we pray in jesus name amen you may be seated turn your bibles with me to matthew chapter 13 matthew chapter 13 verse 1 the bible says that same day jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake such large crowd audrey audrey such large crowd around him that he got to the got into a boat and sat sat in it and while the people stood and he said a farmer went out to sow his seeds and as he was scattering the seeds some fell along the path and some the birds came and ate it up some fell on the rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because it, the soil was shallow. But when the sun had come up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they did not have any, they had no roots. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked the, the, the thorns grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil and it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Amen. Verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a master seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but becomes the largest plant. It grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 to 21. The Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust that corrupt, where thieves break in, break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust that corrupt where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hallelujah. We started talking a couple of weeks ago about planting spiritual seeds. Hallelujah. Planting spiritual seeds. And I said to you that Christians, modern day Christians, we, we don't like these type of sermons. In fact, our we have made it so that the pastors shy away from this type of uh, sermons because this type of sermons doesn't make life easier for us. This type of sermons means that we have to go out of our way to do something. We have to go and plant. Remember uh, 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 Psalm 129, he that go out crying and weeping. One to six, sorry. He that goes out crying and weeping Planting seeds shall come back again with joy, isn't it? With his, because you sow in tears and you reap in joy. Hallelujah. That is how life is supposed to be. That's a principle that God has set in place. But another principle, which I feel that is very important for us, if we're going to be serious Christians, if we really want to be serious with God, is to plant spiritual seeds. Hallelujah. Planting of spiritual seeds is not the same as planting physical seeds. Planting spiritual seeds happens to be more difficult because it, you can't even see the physical manifestation of it. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like this. It's like something that you do. You plant something. You can't even see it because it's so small. It's so insignificant. It doesn't look like it's much, but it is what becomes a large plant. Can you do something about my mic? It's what becomes a large plant where the, 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 the birds of the air will come and find a nesting ground. What you are saying is that God will have to invest, uh, God will have to invest into the protection of the birds through a man. Are you with me? The man that does not necessarily benefit from the plant. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The, the plantation is normally, if we are doing the principle of uh, sowing and reaping, when you sow, you must directly benefit from what you are sowing. 
Am I making sense? But when you are planting spiritual seeds, you don't directly benefit from it because it, it's, it's not for you. The plant, the, the tree is not for the planter of the tree. The, the tree is for the birds of the air. Did you read that scripture with me? It's like a man took a, a, a grain of seed. Say the kingdom, look at it again. The kingdom of God is like what? It's like a master seed that a man takes and plants in the field. And when he plants this thing, it becomes what? The, 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 the great plant, a large garden plant, and it grows, and the birds come and make nets in its branches. Hallelujah. So it's almost as if God is trying to look after the birds, but he needs a man. Are you with me? And if the man sows, the man will not directly reap from it per se. That is what makes it difficult for us to sow spiritual seeds. Are you, are you with me? That is why we don't talk about it more in church. Because when we talk about it, it's like, it's so abstract, people get easily put off. Amen. Amen. But that is the most important seed that we need to sow. So he went on to say that, lay not for yourself treasures on the earth. Because treasures on the earth, the, bed, the rust and the moth and thieves can easily corrupt it. But lay for yourself treasures in heaven, which means that plant spiritual seeds more than physical seeds. I don't know whether I'm making sense. If you plant more spiritual seeds, you have a bank full of treasures in heaven. Amen. And he said that that particular seed or that particular treasure is guaranteed. In case you are wondering where I'm going with this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. Are you with me? Which means that the best investment to make as a believer is planting spiritual seeds. Hallelujah. It is the most important investment to make as Christians. But it's the one that's most difficult because we cannot benefit directly from it. So it makes it very difficult. We like the one-step logic. So, and you shall reap. Isn't it? It's one-step logic. If you sow, you reap. So on Sunday, we're talking about sowing and reaping. One-step logic. Sowing and reaping. So whatever you want, you can sow it and you reap it. And it's very, very easy. Because we can see it, it's easy to sow. We want money, we can sow. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed and shaking together. Running over shall men put on your lap. One step logic. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. The kingdom of God and its righteousness will not directly pay you. So there's another step to the logic. It's not like sow and reap. And all other things that you are looking for shall be given to you. Amen. So it makes it difficult for us to understand or for us to flow in it. Okay? And uh, last week we said that, last two weeks, sorry, we said that we must sow seeds of what? Prayer. Hallelujah. How do you pray for somebody and it benefits you? How is praying for other people beneficial to you? If I want to pray, I have a whole bag of needs that my time in prayer can adequately cater for. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because... All of us have more needs than the amount of time we can spend in prayer. Isn't that true? We, can't, we, can't, we have so many needs that definitely we cannot exhaust the prayer for ourselves, let alone worry about somebody. But God is saying that leave your prayer needs aside. The kingdom of God is like that, where your prayer is supposed to be for others. Even though the Lord knows that you have need. 
in verse 31, he says that the Gentiles seek after the same thing. Matthew chapter 6. He says the Gentiles are looking for the same things. Food, clothes, and shelter. And your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. For all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly father knows that you have what? Need of them. Verse 33, but. Someone say but. He said, in spite of the fact that there are needs, and he, he acknowledges that you have need of these things, the world that needs the same things, you also need the same things. There are bats. The bat cancels all the, the needs. I don't know whether I'm making sense. The bat cancels everything that has gone before it. That you have need. You have your own personal prayers, prayer needs that you need to you know, cancel everything. But you seek first. That means that the word first is primus inter pares. That means the first among equals. Are you with me? So put, put the need of others in prayer first before your need. So your need is the last thing you must think about. Am I, I, I making sense? If you say something is first, it means what? It comes before everything else. So put the need of others first. The kingdom of God's need is first. So your prayer must be more for the need of others, for the need of the house of God, than your own house, than your own personal life, than your own personal needs. Uh, I think I've lost about 60% of the church. The way you've gone quiet. Have I lost you? Because that is the kingdom principles. When you start praying for others, you are sowing into the kingdom. You are planting seeds for the kingdom. It has nothing to do with you. But then you give the kingdom of God the treasure it needs to bless you. That second step comes in. Because God doesn't want to owe anybody. So when God becomes indebted to you, He's bound by his word to bless you. No, I don't know whether I still have you. So anytime we go into prayer, we pray for, for others. If you have been in this church for a while, you know that we spend 80, 90% of our time praying for others rather than ourselves. I mean, if you are lucky, you get 10% <laughs> prayer for yourself, which is not the norm in many churches. In many churches, how Satan will... Will, will, will be de- defeated. Your mother-in-law will be killed instantly so that you have a nice marriage and you have a nice... Your landlord will have amnesia and forget that you owe him. <laughs> you, start, you start preaching that message, see people running to the altar to drop... You get lottery numbers. and all that. You know, that is, that is what we like to hear. But that's not a kingdom... Principle. That's not kingdom mandate. Amen. The kingdom of God is like a master seed that a man takes and sows. And it grows and becomes a great plant that the birds of the air can come and nest in that tree. Hallelujah. The second spiritual seed I want to talk about today. So I gave you prayer and giving. All right. So number three. So I've given, then I've given you quite a lot. Prayer, because prayer is a seed that you can see. But when you sow it, it becomes a heavenly treasure that heaven has to back you. The more you pray, the more authority you have. Are you with me? The greater you, you are in prayer, the more powerful you become spiritually. Am I making sense? Yeah. Then when you give, you open various um, wells or various pipes that bring you a blessing. You know, that is also sometimes difficult for us to understand. You know, the Mississippi River is one of the largest rivers in America. Now, the source of the Mississippi River is only three little water bodies, three, and they are very small. Yeah, yeah, um, the last week, we went to see a waterfall, and the waterfall is, is very small. 
I mean, the size of the waterfall, I wish I could show it to you. The size of the waterfall is not much. It's like this. I mean, at, at some point it's like this. At some point it becomes like that. But then it ends into a lake that is vast and big. The Mississippi River is like that. It has three water sources, small. But I don't know. Pastor Kieran, can you show it so that? Like, I don't know whether you can see. It's like this. Oh. It's like this. Can you see that? It's not big. By opens into the lake, which is vast. In the same way, the Mississippi River is like that. The same thing, three little sources. But it opens to the largest lake in the whole of America. That is how giving is like. When you become a giver, you open a water source. The water source is not a, a big one. But that water source, as it becomes a constant source, it becomes a great... Uh, I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Just as any smart investor doesn't invest in one portfolio. You understand? If you're an investor, maybe you invest in uh, shares, you invest in stock, you invest in what? Bonds, property, you invest in different businesses. They are little, little sources. But the constant, the constant nature, constant nature of that source becomes a great river. Amen. So when you become a giver, you must see yourself as somebody who's opening a source from God. Because God is looking for people to bless his wealth through. I don't know whether my English is working this evening. God wants to be a blessing or bless people. But how can God come and deposit money just in this room? If you woke up and you have a bag full of uh, pounds around you, won't you be afraid? God doesn't work like that. Yeah, put, put that. So look at the Mississippi River. That's the beginning. Small water source. Show the biggest part of it. So look at how small this thing is. I'm showing you how giving is like. Very small. It looks like it's nothing. But it looks like muddy water. It doesn't look like much. But that's what the kingdom of God is like. As you become a constant giver of small, insignificant, but it's the heart. As you become a giver, then it opens to it. I mean, there are ships and there are, there are vessels that ply the Mississippi. Are you with me? Because at the biggest part, it, it's, it's so vast. You need like, I don't know, it's like, oh, I think a mile or something to cross it. And it goes, it goes, it runs almost through the whole of America. Hallelujah. Can you understand the principle? And as you can see it in nature, that is how it is spiritually. As you become a giver, you open the, the wells, God's well. So there are only three. This one, there are two more. Three little sources of water. But the constancy of it is what makes that river. And most lakes and most rivers are like that. The source is very small. Are you with me? So it's the heart, the generous heart, the Bible, the liberal soul shall be made fat. As you become a sower and a giver, you are opening a, 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 a well, you are opening a vast river of God's blessing to others. Because the, the, do you know the beginning that doesn't enjoy the blessing as the middle and the lower part of the, 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 the sea, of the, of the, uh, the river. The lower part is where the fishes and everything. The source was muddy waters. Not a lot. So the source didn't really benefit. The kingdom of God planting doesn't benefit you, but it benefits humanity. Am I making sense? The next one is the seeds of caring or carrying the burdens of others. 
the seed of carrying the burdens of others. Galatians chapter 6, 1 to 3. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burden, so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Hallelujah. Paul was uh, exhorting the church in Galatia. He was telling them that, listen, take responsibility of the Christian life of other people. Carry people with you. There are some people whose Christianity depends on you. Um, I don't know. The, what makes you matured is not your ability to do a lot of things. But what makes you matured is your ability to reproduce after your kind. Can I say that again? What makes you matured naturally, natural principles and spiritual principles are the same, are alike. They, are, they mirror each other. Natural principles. You are a child. You can't give birth. You become an adult. You have the ability to give birth. So the sign of your maturity is your ability to give birth. Am I making sense? Spiritually is the same. When you mature, you must be able to give birth. You must be able to carry somebody in your womb. You must be able to carry others. That's what Pastor Kieran was saying earlier on, that the, the, we, we, we don't realize that our job, our, what makes us, uh, our Christian job duty is to become carriers of the seeds or the harvest. In John chapter 15, it says that I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away so that he'll bear more fruit. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? He says that he takes away every branch that does not bear fruit. He prunes it that he'll bear more fruit. Why? Because God is really in business to see more fruit. And the way God can see more fruit is by his people planting more. Am I making sense? And remember when you lay up treasures in heaven, it works for you. Bearing fruit will cost you money, will cost you time, will cost you headache. And most of the time, there's no thank you. Can I say that again? Becoming fruitful spiritually, finding your friend, going to pick them up, bringing them to church, making sure that they, they stay around, they become established in the house. You know, they will have to, you have to go and pick, pick them, you have to be nice to them, you have to carry them. And sometimes it's tiring. Because we all have our own problems. But it's, it's like you have to leave your problem behind and then care for somebody spiritually. Care for somebody. Encourage the person all the time. Pray for the person. Teach them the word of God. Be with them all the time. And bring them. Sometimes you have to pay the Uber to bring them into the house of God. All those things are tiring and cost very expensive. But that is what it takes to bear spiritual seeds. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Many of us don't like that responsibility. Because it's hard. How many agree that it's hard? It's hard to look after people. Because people are ungrateful. People are forgetful. People are some way. Sometimes as you are being nice to them, they, they take advantage of you. You really have to be a Christian to be a pastor. You have to be a Christian to be a, a, a leader in the house of the, of the Lord. You have to be a Christian because people are very, 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 very ungrateful. People are mean. People forget the good you have done for them. They walk away as if you never did anything. If you're going to watch all those things, you won't do anything. You won't carry anybody's burden. In Philippians chapter uh, 2, this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. 22. But you know, but you know 
But you, but you know his proving character. He's talking about Timothy. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Hallelujah. So go to 19 first. Go to 19. Let's start from 19. I trust, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that he, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no man like him. I have no man like Timothy who naturally care for your state. Which is like the whole church. The whole church that is pastored by the great apostle Paul. There was nobody who had natural care for others. Is there anyone that there is nobody who naturally cares for others in your church? If the great apostle Paul in his church didn't have anybody, he had only one. It's because people don't like sowing spiritual seeds. People don't like caring for others. Caring for the state of other people. Going out of their way to be, to be there to carry somebody spiritually in their womb. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? I have no man like-minded, which means that you have to have a certain mind to be able to carry others. That mind must be a selfless mind. That mind must be, a, a, you are doing it for the person, not for the person, you are doing it for Christ. It has nothing to do with the person. Because you are planting for the birds, you are not planting for yourself. You don't even know which bed because the bed will never stop to say thank you, but it's okay. It's not about the bed saying thank you. It's about you investing in heaven. Mm. Am I getting through? Yeah. Life as it is, we all have become selfish because we're born into a selfish world. So we are all naturally selfish. We all naturally think about ourselves. But he's saying that we must have a different mind. I let this mind be in you. Put this mind inside of you. Put this mind inside of you. This mind must be in you. You see, he, he was talking, this Philippians chapter 2, he started from verse 1. When he started talking about Christ, having that mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ also. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he took the form of a servant and he came to die. He didn't come to die for himself. If he was just left with himself, he wouldn't have bothered. Because he doesn't need, he's God by himself. He doesn't see himself equal to be counted robbery to be equal with God. He's God. But he took the form of a servant and he came and died the shameful death. Hallelujah. So that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow under the heavens on the earth and above the, the heavens. Hallelujah. So that people will now have authority because of the name of Jesus. Not because of him. It's not for his benefit but for the benefit of people. Am I making sense? Let us avoid the Cain spirit. The Cain spirit, it goes opposite to what we are talking about. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know. Cain responded, am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Hallelujah. Am I my brother's keeper? What a question to ask God. Am I my brother's keeper? You see, let us not point fingers at Cain because we are always saying the same thing. As you don't visit somebody, you haven't seen somebody in church for the last two weeks or three weeks and you haven't bothered to go and look for that person. You are saying, am I my brother's keeper? You are in church, but what about them? Where are they? Say, I've been calling them. When I call, they don't, they, they give me a run around, so I'm fed up. I won't call them again. 
I'm my brother's keeper. You can go to hell. Me, I'm going to heaven. That's all that matters. Am I my brother's keeper? All going to hell but us. Am I my brother's keeper? I've made it. You sort yourself out. Am I my brother's keeper? Hallelujah. Listen, no one wins unless we all win. Hallelujah. No one makes it unless we all make it. As we go towards the end of the year, I want us to have this mind of Christ where everybody, everybody, as, as much as lies within you, make sure that everybody you can carry is carried. Hallelujah. People need. See, you were carried by somebody some time ago. That is where you are sitting, where you are sitting. When you needed help, you got help. When you needed spiritual help, you got help. When you needed spiritual nurturing, somebody nurtured you. When you needed somebody to carry you to church, somebody carried you to church. I was carried to church. I wouldn't have gone otherwise. Hallelujah. Somebody encouraged me. Somebody came chasing me. He was chasing for me. I was jumping walls to run away because I didn't want to go to church. How many were like me? Am I the only one? Only two. <laughs> now I was, I was jumping walls. Was, and so I would come when he comes to knock on the door. And I'll go and hide behind a car. I'll go and hide behind a tree. Sometimes my mother would point and tell him where I am. Come and get me. Why was he coming to get me? He could have gone to church by himself. He didn't need to come all the way. But he would come get me. Sometimes when he was going, he would bribe me. He would buy a fried plantain, you know, to bribe me and peanuts. Then say, like, okay. Because otherwise I'll have a frown, a long frown on my face as we are going to the, the fellowship. And when I go and sit down, you know how me sits down sometimes with the hood. I don't have hood, but I sit down with a stern look on my face because I don't want to be here. But that didn't deter him. It did not deter him at all. Following Saturday, he's coming for me again. We are going. Whether I like it or not, we are going. Hallelujah. Yeah. So now it's my duty to also carry people. Just as somebody carried me, I have to carry others. Some people may not want to be, come to church, but I have to sometimes to bribe. Sometimes you have to do whatever you have to do to carry somebody. Amen. Am I making sense? And not only do you have to carry, you have to do certain things that will make life comfortable for others in the house of God. Uh, Paul says something in Romans chapter 14. Verse 30, let us stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another to another believer to stumble and fall. He said, all things are lawful to me, but not everything is expedient. Because if what I'm going to do will make my brother sin, I will not do it. Are you with me? That is how you, you carry people. You carry people by, by your own, um, your character. You, you carry yourself in such a way that it helps to keep somebody on the straight and narrow. Look at verse 14. I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. If another believes it is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Don't let your behavior cause somebody to be distracted. Amen. If another is distressed because of what you are eating, don't eat it. It is wrong. Then if you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but of the living of life 
of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. If you serve God with that, you, your character, you, your character, because you remember every time that you are carrying people. So you live in such a way that, oh, I saw pastor, you know, sitting in a, in a car in a dark place with a girl. And he had a, a, a dark glasses on. For all you know, I was counseling her. <laughs> For all you know, we were sharing quiet time. But that appears wrong. How I many understand what I'm saying? And if somebody sees that, that thing can destroy them. And because of that, and me knowing that I'm carrying people, I cannot be caught doing that. Uh, <laughs> I had to use myself as an example because I didn't want trouble. <laughs> but how many understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. All things may be, because the pure things are pure. It's supposed to be pure. Because I know I'm not doing anything wrong. In the, in the night, packed in the dark with the sister because we are sharing quiet time. I know that. But do you know that? I'm not spiritually mature. I don't think you are that spiritually mature to think that your pastor will not do anything wrong with somebody in the dark. Because of that, I will not be caught there. You see, that's, you see how your mind is working. You, say, oh, you are smiling because you're like, mm, Pastor, Brother Pastor. <laughs> brother Pastor, I saw you. <laughs> Quiet time in the night. With shades on. Why did you have to have shades on? You, 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 you see how your minds are all corrupt. All of your minds are corrupt. <laughs> you, you, you people, you are some way. You are all some way. Let me move on to the next topic before. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient because we are kingdom sowers. Because we sow seeds to the kingdom, we have to know and be mindful that others are looking up to us. Am I making sense? Yeah. Live in such a way that your neighbor will look at you and say, because of you, I'll go to church. Live in such a way that your colleague at work will follow you to church. Live in such a way that people, when they have problems, will come to you. Because you, your life is a message. You are the Jesus Christ that any and everybody who doesn't come to church will see. Are you with me? So you are carrying Christ. The name Christian is a bearer of Christ. And the bearer of Christ means that you are a bearer of people. Are you with me? Just by being a Christian, you have to bear people. People's heaven and hell going depends on you, whether you know it or not, whether you accept it or not. People's des destiny and destination, where they will end up in heaven or hell, depends on you. So he says in Ezekiel, if I tell the wicked that if they do not stop sinning and they die, they'll go to hell. And you fail to tell them, when they die, they'll go to hell, but I'll require their blood from you. Hallelujah. Why would he require the blood from me? Was I a partaker of the sin that the person was sinning? Was I there when they were sinning? No. But it was my job. It was your job to make sure that you warn them. See, that when you warn them and they don't heed to your warning and they die, they will go to hell, but their sin will not be upon you. Amen. The next seed. 
planting the seeds for the gospel or the seed, gospel seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 13 to 16. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the, the meaning of this parable, how would you understand all things? The farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. Hallelujah. The farmer plants what? Seed by taking God's word to others. So preaching the gospel to others is the planting of the seeds of the kingdom. Amen. How many know that if you decide not to plant the gospel seed, your life will not be affected per se, but the kingdom of God will be reduced. The lack of gospel seed planters is the reason why the church remains small. The reason why the, king, the kingdom of God in our day today is remaining very small and becoming, as we sit here now, Islam has overtaken Christianity in the Western world. Why has that happened? It's, it's happened because the kingdom seed planters have reduced. Why have they reduced? We have reduced because we have been more uh, harvest oriented in our preaching in our outlook than gospel planters. We want prosperity. I was talking to a bishop friend of mine and he was complaining to me that his members are leaving his church because he's in London and it's like every time this one come, oh pastor we've decided we've, we've bought a house in Kent so we are relocating to Kent. We have bought a house in Milton Keynes, so we are relocated to Milton Keynes. We bought a house in, uh, uh, what do you call it, in Dover, so we are relocated to Dover. We have bought a, a house in Bristol, so we, because those places are cheaper, the houses are cheaper than London. And so it says that now, go to the house. They've bought a seven-bedroom house, and they've moved. And I have to go and dedicate the house. And they will assure me that, oh, they will be coming. But then they come like once, twice, then we don't see them. See them again. Then we, he was very upset. So he was, you know, as pastors, our pastors are our friends. So he was talking to me. And I said, stop preaching prosperity in your church. Yeah. I said, that is your problem. Because if you, you see, you are what you eat. And if that is all you eat, you're eating God's blessings, God's blessings, God's blessings. You start looking for God's blessings. And if God's blessing takes you to Kent, you're gone. Because what you wanted was his blessing. Now he has blessed you and taken you to Kent. Why don't you go to Kent? When you go to Kent, there's no church. There's what do you do? You look for the nearest church that you can appease. You go for 45 minutes, just appease your conscience. At least I went to church. Then you're off on your way. So all his members are they are moving out of. So it's like he started the church the year like this with the congregation. The congregation is preaching prosperity and praying for them. They are prospering. And as they are prospering, they are leaving. So the church is <laughs> it's reducing. I said to them, stop preaching prosperity. And I shared what I'm sharing with you. I shared with him that, listen, if you preach kingdom, kingdom has more prosperity than prosperity message. I say, you come to my church, you will never hear prosperity message, but my church members are more prosperous than you. Stay in the church for six months, you'll be prosperous. But you never hear me talk about prosperity. You never hear me that you buy a house, you will. But you stay here for a while. You see that you have it. Before you realize, hey, when did I get here? Because it's not, it's a byproduct. So we don't even discuss it. It's not the main thing. Are you with me? It's just, a, it's just a byproduct of being the house of God. God will bless your water and bless your bread. God will prosper you. But prosperity is not the reason why we are here. We are here to fulfill kingdom mandates. Ah. Prosperity is just a dessert. How do you talk about ice cream, ice cream, ice cream? No. No way. We are talking about food. Ice cream is not food. After you've eaten, you 
have ice cream. Am I making sense? Yeah. So the, the church needs to plant the seeds of the gospel in the community. If the church wants to become contagious and relevant, we need to be out there. Another bishop friend of mine comes and says, what is this craziness that you say you are going to do, uh, uh, what do you call it, try Jesus in somewhere? Where, so where are you going to do it? Then I mentioned where we are going. He said, how much is it going to cost? Then he said, why? <laughs> That's what he said to me. He said, why? Why do you have to go and spend that crazy amount of money? Why? You have a church. He said, if I had your church, my Christmas, uh, New Year's service will be very powerful. You are looking for a place to have. You have, you say you are leaving your, where you have to go somewhere else. I said, because we need to plant the gospel seed to the world. The, the room we have is too small. We filled this room two years ago. Two years ago, we filled this room. Last year, we filled this room. If we stay here this year, we will fill this room. Then what? If we are here next year, we will fill this room. You see, God is not a, a silly businessman. If you want water, he will give you only as much as your container can contain. He won't waste his water. Are you with me? So sometimes you've got to learn to get a bigger bowl. So that he can pour more. Uh, I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. That is why we are leaving this room to go. To a room that says 1,200. And how are we going to get 1,200? We have to go planting the gospel seed. To bring, carry them in. Are you with me? Because when they come, a lot of people don't know and have not experienced Christ in a certain way. That is why to them, church is boring. To them, church is not a place to be. But just let them come and try Jesus. Yeah. And when they come, I'm going to make a deal with them. Try Jesus for six months. If he doesn't come through, go away. Let us have that deal, me and you. Try Jesus. Because I know that six months, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just come and taste. That's all I'm saying to you. That's the deal we are having. First six months, me and you, let's be, you come to church every Sunday. First six months. If Christ doesn't make any difference in your life, don't come again. Hallelujah. That is why we need to a bigger room. It's going to cost us a lot of money, but that's fine. We'll pay everything we have to pay. And next year, we'll be doing a lot of crusades like that. We'll be going for bigger rooms to do crusades, to bring more. Because we are in the, we are in the end time. Yes. We have to stop being selfish as a church. God has blessed us. What else do you want? What else do you want? It's time for us to go out there. Take the message out there. Hallelujah. So next year, we'll be this Try Jesus campaign is not just going to be 31st. We are going to have it in different places. Hallelujah. Because people need to hear about Christ. People need the gospel. And you know something? As we go trying Jesus and bringing people in, that is the answer to your problem. Somebody who is going to come become your, your, your business partner. Somebody who's coming will become your husband. Somebody who's coming will become your, your, your wife. Somebody who's coming here is the, the answer to that fasting and prayer you have been praying for years that you haven't received an answer. Your divine helper is coming in because you went to try Jesus. Oh, I don't know whether you understood what I said. Uh, yeah. Why are they picking on you? Amen. Are we going to try Jesus? Are we going to bring people in? Yeah. We are going to so because I, I, I could give you four, seven ways to do the gospel seed, but I'm going to leave it alone. 
the gospel, planting the gospel is not as difficult as we make it. It's not as difficult as we make it. Just one. What is the person's interest? Whatever the person's interest, Christ is in there. Talking about the weather, Christ is in there. Ah, it's very cold. Yeah. It's cold. It's freezing. Can you imagine how cold hell will be? What are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. Now let me tell you what I'm trying to talk to you about. Listen, it's not as hard as you can go from high. Hello, I like your shoes. Have you thought how beautiful these shoes will look in church? What's different about the shoes being out here and being in church? Oh, the glory of God will come upon the shoes. So I read somewhere in the Bible, how beautiful are the feet of they that preach the gospel. Uh, so when you're wearing these shoes and preaching the gospel, your feet will look more beautiful. Uh, it's not as hard as you think. It's not as difficult as you think. Same lines you used to take a, chat a girl. The same lines. Same lines. Same lines. Number two, be a listener. Be a listener. If you listen, in the person's conversation, you have your pickup line for Christ. Uh, You read the the story of the woman at the well. Is it John chapter 5? The woman at the well. John 4. The woman at the well. Easy. Jesus was listening to him, to her. The thing she said is what Jesus used to preach to. Be a listener. Talk to somebody and listen to them as they are. Don't go with your, your preconceived gospel lines you are going to give them. No, no, no. Talk to them because in between their conversations is the gospel. Mm, I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. As you are conversing with the person, in between their conversation is the opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And I was saying this in Hall. We all have a message that is the most powerful message to preach that will convict everybody. And that's your story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a song. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a song. Everyone's a little different. We've all done wrong. And the Savior came and he took away danger, everything. And the Savior came to pain, change everything. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. You preach your message. I, I preached my story in hall on Sunday. And when we're driving back home, the people in the car were also preaching their story. And we realized that we all have stories. And our stories are the same. Because my story was that, if, but for Christ, I'll be dead, mad, or on drugs. Those are the three options for me. But for Christ, I won't be standing here. I'll be either dead, mad, or on drugs. Because where I grew up, those were the three options. Dead, mad, or on drugs. Even my home, my home that I came out of, my brothers, dead, on drugs, or mad. So that is my story. Are you with me? So there's no better story to share with with anybody I meet than my story. Because it's mine. It's authentic. It's not what somebody said. It's what I have experienced. Amen. 
Your story too is different, but your story is as powerful as mine. Amen. The last one, I'm not going to preach it, but I'm going to share it, is building a house for God. Amen. Building a house for God is also a very powerful spiritual seed. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, 8 to 12, you will see a man called Obedidom. Obedidom housed the ark of God. You automatically become a candidate of God's blessing coming into your home when you house the Lord. To the point that the king became jealous. Amen. The king became jealous of Obedidom. Guess what? In chapter 2, chapter 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 5, the king noticed what Obedidom did and also decided, I'm also going to build God a house. Because I've seen that this guy, he's building, he's keeping the ark of God, brought so much blessing to Obedidom. Remember, Obedidom was a slave. Obedidom was a black slave. When the, the, the ark killed Uzzah, they decided that they won't take it to any Jewish person. So they found a black man who was like on the way. He's like, okay, can you keep their house? He got, they didn't give him an option. He said, you keep that. So it's okay. He said, okay, fine. But, and he was told the king that the Lord had blessed the house of Obedidom. Immediately, he said, come, come, let's go. Let's go and carry it. The same act they were afraid to carry. Now, all of a sudden, King, king David can say, no, no, we'll carry it. It's okay, you, you's fine. Bring it, we'll carry it. Verse chapter 7, next chapter, he goes to tell Nathan the prophet that I have decided I want to build God a house. All this why didn't you know that you had to build God a house? And God said that if you have decided to build me a house, then I also make sure that there will never be anyone, any uh, child fail to sit on your throne. To the 400 generations, 400 years after what Nathan said, there was somebody sitting on David's throne. To the point that when Jesus comes back, he's going to sit on the throne of David. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 7, that man that built the, the centurion, that built the synagogue, he was deserving of good things being done. Why? Because he had built a house for the Lord. You are deserving of do something good being done for you because you build God. My cousin called me the other day to congratulate for our wedding anniversary. My cousin called me. And I said to my cousin that, you know, I've been preaching. She's, she's also a, a preacher. So I've been preaching about uh, building a house building a, a building, a church building for God. So I want you to do this since you are close by. Go and find a land in my father's village. I want us to build a house there. He said, what? I said, I want us to build. So she was saying, are we building a branch of your church or are we building a branch of my church? I said, we are building a branch of church, church of God, not your church, not my church because we have another cousin who is also a reverend, an Anglican father. So she was saying, is it my church? Is it your church? Or Father, father Mock's church? I said, no, it's not any of our churches. We are building God a house. I don't care who uses it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because I, I, I believe in this, what I'm saying, so I have to practice it. So it's like we are trying to. Because it won't cost as much. In a village, 5,000, 10,000 will build a church. Nothing fancy. Just a square box. Isn't that all? A square box. Plaster it. Put a, a stage there. It's a church. Put benches in. People are having service there. You have built God a house. Hallelujah. It's for the beds of the earth. It's not for you. It's not for my congregation. Or oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. It's not for my cousin's congregation. It's for the Lord. All of us must aspire to do something like that. 10,000, 
7,000 in a place in the world somewhere will build. Somewhere outside of Bolewayo, we should be able to build a, 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 a put bricks there, get the land, put bricks. It's a church for the people there. You, they will never see you. You never go there. They will never say thank you, but that is irre- irrelevant. God will always say thank you. Stand to your feet.